This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. Welcome back, everyone, to our latest episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. We're so excited to have you all here today because we have another fabulous guest. We are just so fortunate with all of the people that we get to have on our podcast and we get to share with you all because we get some really exciting, amazing, knowledgeable, wise people. We have just another person like that today. So before we jump in, I will quickly introduce Hannah Haddadi. She is with Morning Light Divination. Um, she is a death witch and a medium and a multitude of other things that I will allow her to introduce herself later, but she is so phenomenal and so wise. And I'm so excited to have her on today. So before we jump in, Hannah, what are you drinking today? Hi, I'm drinking. So I'm drinking this tea that feels very connected to my Persian ancestry it's this phenomenal black tea that has marigolds and bee pollen and like vanilla oh, yum. in there. And uh, the bee pollen in particular is like very ancestral for me. And so that's my beautiful drink of choice this morning. That sounds, sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds like a, like that invokes like a sunrise in a cup to me. Like that feels like such a good morning blend. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, it sounds very energizing for sure. <laughs> Cheyenne, what are you what? drinking today? Well, is anyone surprised? Ooh, uh, that's fancy. She's drinking, yeah, I got these fancy double wall latte mugs. That looks good. Um, for B's birthday because he fancies himself an at home barista now. I have a double shot latte with some Cheyenne Wyoming clover honey and some pumpkin pie spice on top. It smells really good. So like, I just had a moment where I was like, where's Cheyenne Wyoming? <laughs> For those who don't know, it's literally an hour north of us. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Cheyenne, Santa you know Santa. a place in Wyoming named after you? That's really cool. <laughs> Santa Claus put it in my stocking. My parents live in Wyoming. So in case it's not obvious, we are recording in the morning and we all know that Shale's not a morning person. So, and it's daylight saving. So double whammy. Yeah. It's honestly really impressive that we all showed up to this on time. Really <laughs> My thought is like, where are you hoarding this pumpkin pie spice that you're putting on top? Like, <laughs> I, I, so another one of my toxic traits is buying every single pumpkin item at Trader Joe's like the second it comes out. So then I know which ones I need to stock up on to survive the rest of the year. So I have like three jars of pumpkin pie spice in my <laughs> cupboard. You're a genius. <laughs> Honestly, like in the world of like COVID, instead of stocking up my toilet paper, Cheyenne was like pumpkin spice. Pumpkin that spice. Was, that was her hoarding. Trader, okay, literally though, Trader Joe's was my like that was that was my happy place during COVID I, I chose I was like okay one grocery store because I didn't want to hop to a bunch of different ones I was trying to be like really mindful of how often I was going out so every two weeks for like that first year like pre-vaccine I was going just to Trader Joe's every other week and I would just like go nuts 
I haven't been a Trader like that's Joe's a good coping mechanism. <laughs> and also Trader Joe's sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, for real. We need Trader Joe's money on this podcast. Well, or you I'm could just, just drinking... send us free snacks. Sorry, yes. What are you drinking? <laughs> I'm not exciting again, per the usual. I have just an average cup of coffee. But I guess what makes it kind of exciting is that I'm really trying to cut back on coffee to like help anxiety and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm only allowing myself to do it on the weekends as like a comfort cozy thing. But I just have your standard cup of coffee made with a standard home coffee maker. <laughs> this is the kind of part where I'm like, I kind of wish people could see the Zoom video because I'm like demonstrating it. Like I'm like, right. It's very cute. Vanna White. Like model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it has oat milk, caramel creamer in it, which is always so delicious. Mm, yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just a little cozy comfort cup thing we got going on. <laughs> I love it. On this daylight savings, which is the worst in the spring, but awesome in the fall day. Awesome in the fall. Everything's better in the fall. That's very true. Let's be honest. That's very true. (laughs) To be fair, I'm ready. Okay, let's pull our tarot card, friends. See what energy is going to guide us this week. Any lessons we can gain from spirit this morning. We'll kick in the pants to get our shit together. Whatever resonates. We tend to get those a lot. Yeah, like take what works, leave what doesn't. And as always, ooh, jump up. We have drawn the Knight of Swords. Ooh. This card is really cool. His horse has two heads. <laughs> we just talked in our last episode about being crazy horse girls, and a two headed horse would have been like. <laughs> I would have died, awesome. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> would have been really cool. Okay, Knight of Swords. The Knight of Swords is fearless and bold. When inspiration strikes, he will immediately jump into action. Nothing will stop him from making his point and achieving his goals. He is quick to act and quick to speak up. To a fault, he rarely thinks through these actions and may have a short fuse with others. The Knight is fully dressed in armor and aggressively dives into battle. His horse is white, symbolizing purity and good intentions. However, it has two heads which are facing different directions. Without proper focus, our knight will have a hard time winning his battle. He bursts through a golden frame. He will not be contained by formality and structure. Your ambition, drive, and quick wit are indeed impressive, but be sure to think through your ideas before you speak or act too harshly. You have a lot to offer, but choose your words wisely. A battle may not be necessary. A simple conversation may suffice. All right, take your little take that with whatever you need to take it with but you know a little kick in the pants it's fine (laughs) I feel like that's the way it always is (laughs) it's fine we're like Tara (laughs) can you just give us just a nice like cozy comforting message for once and it's like no always get your shit together Kevin you guys are a hot (laughs) not gonna lie to us at least so all right what it is about that card like I've been trying as you're reading I'm trying to figure out like what what is connected to my life right now in that and I don't I don't know the answer but I do feel like suddenly after you read that that I'm gonna like start bawling (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe we can revisit that in a moment (laughs) we can unpack that think about what's what's causing such a physical it's so interesting when tarot does invoke those physical reactions in you before you connect the dots like emotionally Mm -hmm. mentally um that's why it's just yeah it's lovely it's such a fun tool to turn to Mm -hmm. 
So, All right, Shale, set it up. What's happening today? All right. So now we will turn it over to Hannah. Hannah, if you want to just jump quickly in and let us know who are you? What do you do? What is a death witch? And all of the amazing things about you, however you want to introduce I'm so yourself. excited. <laughs> Sorry, that was probably like horrible to listen to over there. <laughs> <laughs> you two are so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I've been looking forward to it uh, so much. So I, I would like to start off with saying that my definition of how I identify as a death witch doesn't mean that that is some universal definition to how other people would identify that. For me, it is creating a sacred relationship with death, death as entity, death as friend, death as mentor, um, and, and truly death as the key to all of life. With that, for me, it's not only just working with sacred death, but we're working with the dead in a lot of different ways. Um, whether that's ghosts or spirits, um, you know, anything that's kind of unseen. But truly like the foundation for me is the connection with sacred death and, and what that entails and what that involves and what that asks of us as individuals to be able to do that work. There definitely is like a, a rising to the occasion and there's a lot of stuff underneath that you have to really uncover for yourself and sort of face in a way in that work. And I think in order to be able to embrace that work, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And so morning light divination has been a long, a long, long coming dream. And, um, the goal of morning light was really to create space for people to unravel in their death and rebirth processes and like where they are in that journey and to give them space wherever they are to really honor that point in the journey and that it's not just the death or the rebirth that's important those are of course like very pivotal moments but it's everything in the in-between really that's like where the, the the like juicy work is right and so I wanted to create a space where people could just be wherever they are in that process but have someone who's kind of there to hold your hand and walk with you through the underworld or through the light or wherever it is that we're you know going and through that work it's done with ceremony and lots of space holding, um, intuitive work, mediumship. And my hope, my true hope is that in my work, I can empower other people to be able, honestly, to be able to walk alone in their journey, to know that they aren't alone and, you know, to reach out for help when they need it. But truly at some point, it's like, I want the person I'm working with to be able to not hold my hand anymore, right? It's like, let's get you to a point where you're like, I can walk through that fire by myself, no problem, right? So. Totally. How, just rewinding a little bit too, um, how did you come to this work? How, 
did you get your start in death doula ship? I am loving <laughs> Telly right now <laughs> in the screen. She's so cute. This is Telly Red. Oh, what a little sweetie. <laughs> she loves podcasts. So she'll, her tail will pop up often. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, working with the dead, um, it really started for me as a young child. The dead would visit me a lot as a kid. It was really scary when I was younger. And for a while, I, I really didn't want to interact with that side of the veil or that, those other parts of the world. And so I kind of like put up some blinders, you know, and just sort of tried to pretend that it wasn't happening. And I mean, at this point I was probably like five years old. So I was also just scared. So I would avoid looking into mirrors or anywhere that I would like see spirits. I would just kind of avoid those spaces. And then when I was about, I'd say a couple years went by and then I got really interested in the paranormal. And so I would, I, I think I read everything that like my elementary school and my middle school had as far as like, you know, ghost stories or anything about um, like weird history of any hauntings. And when you do that, like when you, when you exercise your curiosity, it really opens up a beacon. And so to me, the beacon is like this sort of lighthouse. And then everything that's involved in that is like, oh, go, 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 go. That person is open. They might be able to see us. They might be able to talk to us. And as a spirit, if you're, the, the, the thought is like, I haven't been able to communicate with my loved one and I want to so badly. And I can see that this person might be able to do that for me. So I'm going to go right now. That's one spirit, right? But you think that like the beacon opens up and every, everyone's like, we need to flood that person, which is usually why you see or you hear people are like, yeah, I started this thing. And then all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then I sort of closed the, the book again and put my blinders back up because so much weird stuff was happening. It was like, it was like creepy stuff on the daily. So I closed, I closed it again. I was like, never mind, never mind. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to play. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. And then um, I was always kind of interested in it still. And I could, I could see that things were kind of trying every now and again to come say hello, but I was a very depressed kid in high school. So I felt like I was so in it and like in so much uh, struggle that I, my brain didn't even, it kind of forgot that we were even into that stuff. And then after high school, I started to really come into my own beliefs about spirituality and the world and um, you could say that slowly started to open up my doors again. And um, I started to learn more about my ancestry and I had a tarot deck and, you know, kind of started to dip my toe again. And um, 
I'd say from then on, honestly, it's been about a decade of honing that in and learning more about my spirituality and learning with other people and um, kind of coming into my witchdom, if you will. And so I'm, I'm glad that we're here now <laughs> yeah. and that, you know, it's not freaky anymore. I, I do. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> it is you interesting. Like, we have a lot of other guests who we've, or like other guests who experience mediumship um, or who have those skills and are honing those skills, like professionally as adults, all kind of have that similar origin story of being like, I don't want to see you. Like, like not going to show you. And I just think it's really interesting to just to notice that and notice that power of the brain too, and the power of yourself to put those walls up. Um, it's just, it's just really interesting that everyone kind of has that, that initial kid origin story of like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see it. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. well, and it's like, you know, for, for some people, like, I, I love the movie Sixth Sense because because when you okay what am I trying to say when I was a kid I couldn't watch Sixth Sense my parents let me and the first time one of the spirits walked out right and in that movie they're like usually like very bloody and and whatever it was like no 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 no. that's how I actually see people sometimes yeah like they're very visceral like sometimes I have to be like is there is there an intruder in my house or is it just spirit and so so they're you, that like apparent, like it's it's literally as if a person is standing in front of you. That's how you see spirit. Sometimes, yeah. Okay. And so um I somehow I was connecting this to what you said. And I'm sorry, now I just lost it. Oh, you were talking about um like the connection between being afraid of seeing stuff as a child and how that related to sixth sense. Thank you. Yes. Um I think especially for children, it can be very visceral like that. Yeah. Where I guess I I liked that movie at the time, even though it was freaky, but I liked it because it was like, look, here's some representation of a child being able to see stuff very clearly, right? It's not just like, oh, there was like a whisper of something moving in the corner of my eye. This is like, someone is coming to me very viscerally and trying to tell me something. And I can also see what happened to them. So for some people, it's so much like that, that it's like, yeah, I don't want to see that, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially as a young yeah, child, <laughs> emotionally prepared to handle that or to even mm-hmm. understand what's really happening. Exactly. So would you say that it's like your, your spirituality, can you like pinpoint a time where it stopped being a scary thing and more of a spiritual experience? Or do you still have times throughout your life where that intersect still happens or is it kind of like a gradual process I'm always really curious kind of when that starts to shift for people especially for mediums that have experienced that from such a young age Mm, that's a really good question I would say I would say the pivotal point for me where it it became less scary And it also became so important to my livelihood as a person. And I think also the pivotal point where I realized like, this is also a responsibility. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not just for myself, but for any work I'm going to do 
in the world, right? Um, when I was, I would say it was about when I was 18 is when I started to dip my toe again um, into, into really like witchcraft. I feel like all of high school was figuring out what do I believe? Do I believe what, what my parents believe? Mm-hmm. You know, and if I don't, what is that? Um, and then 18 was like, okay, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna look at witchcraft and that, that feels more resonant. And then in my early twenties, um, I feel like my spirituality, my spirituality and I were becoming like great lovers. And then I went through some, uh, severe trauma and I felt like that tie was cut because also at the time it was, it was like, I'm so close to my spirituality. How could these really terrible things happen? And so then it took a while, like a, a long time to really repair that lovership. But in that time, the universe kept giving me these really crazy, wonderful experiences. Mm. And it was like, this is the work you were meant to do. And, and like, I'm still here and this is how we repair. And I, I had gone on a, a girl's trip with two of my friends to the mountains. And that trip was like my initiation from spirit and nothing has been the same since in the most beautiful way. Yeah. I have chills as you're telling that, like what a blessing to have that almost validation, right? Like so many of us go through life trying to figure out what it is that we're meant to be doing here. And you have that. And that's so special. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it was sort of like, um, you know, in movies when they play the real, when you see all the stuff that's happened in the past and (laughs) back to the person in the moment, it's like very dramatic and beautiful. I feel like that's kind of what that trip was like for me. Um, and I guess it was, it was like truly in that moment where it was like, okay, like this doesn't have to be, uh, scary and I can be curious about it again. And it was also like giving myself permission to step back into that after trauma. So it was kind of a a loaded time. (laughs) So for listeners who maybe just unfamiliar and curious about like what your kind of elevator pitch of like what you do to people who maybe aren't familiar or are just like initially curious and want a jumping off point? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good question. I've been w- trying to work on it instead of like the 10 minute <laughs> spiel with someone. <laughs> um, I would say my elevator pitch would be that um, I support people in times of great change and death and rebirth through metaphorical funerals, coaching, intuitive work, and mediumship. Within that, you know, we also do a lot of ancestral work and um, like empowerment work and embodiment work. Can you talk about what a metaphorical funeral is? 
Yeah. And, and with that so, too, I'm always really curious um, because you talk a lot about death and rebirth cycles. And obviously like the most obvious one is your literal death and rebirth, right? But you talk about it happening throughout your life too. So in addition to Cheyenne's question, I think that's a cool <laughs> combination. <laughs> yes. So a metaphorical funeral was sort of my big offering that I created as I was creating Morning Light. And it's basically a very dramatic ceremony where somebody is on like a, like a massage table and we are um, creating a ceremony and a journey and an experience for them where when someone comes for a metaphorical funeral, the work is to like try and slough off anything else that is stuck to them, that is preventing them from truly moving in the direction that they wanna go. And the thing about the funeral is by the time people usually inquire about a funeral with me, they've done so much work around the thing or this period in their lives. And it's like, this thing is just haunting me and I just need it to go. And so the funeral is like, you can chill out and you're, I'm going to work with your team and my team's going to work with your team. And the three of us are going to uh, basically take that off for you. And so if someone hasn't done their work and they want to come for a funeral, I don't find it's the, the same result. There, there needs to be like some level of awareness, right? And truly like a, a real desire to move differently because after the funeral, things often move really quickly, mm. sometimes quickly to where people are like, oh, I don't know if I wanted that. You know, and it's like, let's be really clear about what you want and that you're really ready for that. that, that I mean, truly that you're ready for change, right? Yeah. So we're doing a very intense ceremony um at least I guess it's it's sort of intense for me you know the other person I I'm I'm hope you know that my clients on the table it's less work for them which is the point but we're we're doing a lot of clearing and um journeying and you know there's usually plants involved and some plant brushings and other things so So yeah, I think before we took our break, we were talking about um, your work and how that translates, but then also um, death and rebirth cycles and how those can happen throughout your life in addition to the actual, I guess I'm just calling it like, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good word for it, but the standard death and rebirth <laughs> cycle that we all go through. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the standard death and rebirth. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I truly believe that we are doing some sort of death, uh, death and rebirth dance every day. And sometimes I really truly believe that the exhaustion that some people feel 
like, of course, there are so many other factors in the world. I think part of it is that some people feel those cycles within a day much more viscerally than others, or even in a month or a week or a year. Um, but we have like examples in nature that we can look at, right? It's like, well, every day the sun is going to set and then it's going to rise again. You went through a full, a full day, you know, time might not be also see that something has happened in that time frame. Um, and our cells in our bodies are constantly going, they're constantly shedding, they're constantly learning how to uh, support each other and become new and what is it, what do they need and uh, to grow and to function their best. And we do so many uh, death and rebirth cycles within our lifespan. I mean, being born and then, you know, the, the, the standard, if you will, being born, and then, <laughs> you know, dying at the end. Um, but also every growth spurt that you had as a kid is, is, a, is a death and rebirth cycle mm. because you're never going to be the same. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, <laughs> you know, your brain as it's learning new things, right? It's going through some sort of cycle. Um, your, your body, um, as it changes through every year and then also during very specific decades, right? Like my twenties, my thirties, my forties, my fifties, right? That's, it's all different. Um, it's different experiences. It's different with my body. It's different with, uh, the way that maybe I view the world. I mean, I think everything is like constantly in its own cycle. Um, and I think we don't honor that enough Yeah. in the world really. And that, you know, with those funerals we were talking about the, yes, we're focusing on clearing and, and bringing in, you know, where the person wants to go, but we're also honoring everything that got them there to that point. The, I mean, the, the, the joyful, the great, the sorrowful, the, the trauma, the bad, whatever, because it's, it's all a culmination of where you are at this moment. And it's like, we really have to honor all of that and all of the experiences that someone has, a, has gone through in that time, right? It's all valid. And so kind of figuring out where you are in a death and rebirth, I think can be kind of liberating because it's like, we put all this pressure on judgment on ourselves to be in a certain place. And mm -hmm. um, if you were to just finally identify like, oh, I'm kind of in the, in the middle and it feels like a limbo. And the more aware you become in every death and rebirth cycle you go through, honestly, it gets a little bit easier because you can say, for instance, in my own experience, I have learned that the rebirth part is actually the hardest for me. Mm. I, I feel like it takes the most energy because you are asked to do things in a different way. So in the death and the death and kind of coming up to the rebirth, you're usually learning about, you know, it's like, okay, stuff is, stuff is like going to the wayside you're also learning probably what needs to change in order to become 
your more embodied self or to go through the lesson or like whatever doesn't isn't going to work here anymore right you got to learn how to do it differently and in the rebirth i feel like your spiritual team is like cool so you learned all those lessons but now you're going to get an opportunity or a moment or something that's going to ask you to do it differently and how do you move personally i find that to be the hardest part that makes so much sense though yeah (laughs) and when you move differently yes, you are doing a rebirth, but you're also honoring all of the death that just happened. Because once you move differently, all that work, it really is gone. In the sense that, you know, we could say like old Hannah, quote unquote, old Hannah in this cycle. When I choose to do it differently for future Hannah, I'm sort of putting all of that stuff with old Hannah, like I'm saying bye if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if any of this is making sense. I, I just like get on a ramble about death. No, it, it completely <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I think it's so important um, to, to talk about it and to learn what those cycles are like from us and what do we need in those cycles, right? I mean, it could change our needs, but um, it's been really helpful for me to know like, okay, I feel like I'm almost to the rebirth part and I know that's the hardest part for me. Yes. So I need, I need more things in my toolkit while I'm going through my rebirth, right? Yeah, and, and along with that, you, you use a term a lot in the work that you do um, and that's sacred death. And we live in a society, at least in the Western world usually, mm-hmm. um, where the, the concept of death even of itself is not spoken about, right? It's, it's very taboo. It's very like, hey, we're not gonna even like, we almost pretend like it's not gonna happen. Like we all inevitably know it's gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that you use that term sacred death. So I'd love for you to kind of elaborate on, on what that term means. And then if someone is interested in how they start building a relationship with sacred death, if you have any advice or guidance for how we start doing that when we've been really taught from like childhood, like death is scary and taboo and we don't talk about it and we just pretend it doesn't happen. And then we just all get really sad at a funeral and move through mourning. And then you're expected to just like after a few days be okay again. Right. Like that's a very crazy cycle to kind of break and you're, you're doing that in your work. So I'd love for you to elaborate on that (laughs) really long question. I just asked. (laughs) It's good. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So I think what I'll start with is sacred death as entity, as friend, as lover, as parent, I mean, as your greatest teacher, right? Greatest mentor. Um, To me, sacred death really does embody almost like a, a, the feeling of a deity. Like for me, it's very, um, it's very much like sacred death has a form and also sacred death is in everything that's in the world, right? It is, it is like, if you're doing, if, if, if you're braiding like the, the fibers of the world, I mean, it's, 
it's death and, and life, right? It's not, it's not just one or the other. And with every breath we take and out breath, I mean, sacred death is there, right? Um, so sacred death is truly to me, like the force of the world, really. Um, sometimes I really feel like death actually also is the rebirth. Like it, it is just death sometimes in my mind. Um, sacred death as entity shows up for me kind of like very similarly to what the grim reaper looks like um which the grim reaper is is goes back to like old english british um like 13th 14th century ish and so i think for me that also is about my my english ancestry and for some other people sacred death looks very differently mm -hmm. um for me it kind of really is like the skeleton in the cloak um but I feel like sacred death, I mean, it's always, it's always with you. It's always walking with you. It's lying next to you in the bed. You know, it's experiencing what you're experiencing because the death and rebirth is always happening. Mm. Um, does that make, any sense it does it's a really comforting concept um for me personally it feels it feels very just because of that that interwoven connectedness and viewing it from that that friendship lens of like we are we're constantly working together we're walking together in these cycles always so that final you know final <laughs> physical death of this humanly body um feels a lot less scary mm -hmm. through that lens it, it I think it, it does it opens up that it opens up that door to accept it accept death as as friend and mentor and I think just that perspective shift could help so many people <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and it's I mean to me like when you were born the moment that you take your first breath, death is right there. It's mm -hmm. already happening. It's already happening. Death is holding your hand. Death is whispering, this isn't forever. And also death is saying things are going to change yeah. very rapidly in your human mind. Right? Mm -hmm. So the, the thing or friend or entity that is there with us since the moment we are born to constantly shun that and pretend like it's not there. I understand why people do it and why we do it as a society, right? There's many different kinds of death fears. The true teaching of death though asks, if you were to embrace me, how could your life look instead? How would your experience be instead? And death really, to me, like promises you, if you could just do it, if you could just face me and have a conversation with me and embrace me, I swear to you, your life will be more enriched. 
because yeah. death death as walking with someone who is who doesn't want to look and there's no judgment there's there's no judgment that you don't want to look that someone doesn't want to look I guess what I'm saying is like death is still there next to you though it's like me with the blinders yeah you know, I'm pretending like I'm not seeing anything and it's like the spirits are still there yeah yeah and sometimes I think it's almost comical to death mm. you know death is like I'm walking right here it's okay like you don't have to look at me today but I'm still gonna be here tomorrow <laughs> you know what image Definitely. I just got is like the little kid you know like the little brother that you have that's like I'm not touching you I'm not touching you <laughs> you know that they're like just close and you can feel them right <laughs> Well, it just, it reminded me, it just had that like spark of a moment too, of just like, we've talked about this with a lot of people too, but spirit has such a sense of humor Mm -hmm. too. And I think sometimes we, and not that things shouldn't be taken seriously or, you know, exceptionally respectfully, but I think a lot of times we forget about the, just the humor of existence Mm -hmm. and the complete absurdity that is just what we are (laughs) and what Mm -hmm. we do and experience on a daily basis and I just think yeah I just I really I appreciate that that concept a lot and I'm going to keep kind of turning that over in my brain today (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's not to say that it's not going to be complicated or messy or it's not going to hurt I mean at some point death will be somebody you know mm, let me rephrase that at some point, most likely, death could be, will be something, somebody that you just absolutely hate, that you are mad at, right? That mm-hmm. when you lose someone that you love, the relationship between you and death might become more complicated, right? And then you might be like, I don't understand. Like now I'm just angry at you. Yeah. Why did you, you know, take this person from me? And so it's not, I mean, it's not to say it's like, yeah, just so wonderful all the time. Um, but I think to that point too, I think that's when, when death is also embodying almost the greatest teacher, right? Because it's sometimes when we move through the hardest truths, that we learn the most, but you don't really move through like an extremely hard truth without having some sort of emotional attachment to it. Right. Or, or moving through something like anger, anger, even of itself, we we've talked about this, um, in our sessions as well. Like anger is something that can take an embodiment and, and you can almost embrace that too. Right. Like that, that emotion itself and seeing it as manifested before you mm-hmm. and trying to understand your relationship with it. Um, so yeah, I just, I love the concept of death as, as greatest teacher and trying to see it in that light, mm-hmm. in that morning light, if you will. Amazing. And I actually, I really love that you bring up anger because not all the time, but a lot of the time anger is actually just grief. Yeah. Right. It's just a a different um, version of grief. Yeah. 
uh, I just like have chills and like so much to think about and <laughs> all the things that I see Cheyenne she's over like staring into space like <laughs> blew our minds in all the best ways <laughs> well I do anger is definitely emotion I don't handle well mm. um that's that that's what I was thinking about I just it's one that that I do need to really actively work on my relationship with and a lot of that comes from you know some childhood trauma and also just being a non-confrontational Libra who's like, no, stay away. <laughs> no one can ever be mad ever <laughs> about anything. <laughs> and if they are, it's obviously my fault. Um, so it's just, yeah, I, I think that's just something that I've been wanting to work on more personally too, is, is a more kind of compassionate relationship with, with that emotion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you asked how can people, you know, create this relationship with sacred death? And there's a couple parts to this that I think are really important. Different cultures have uh, either like a, a, a deity or a representation of sacred death. And I think if you know your ancestry and can look into that and kind of figure out who that might be for you, I think is really important, um, especially so we're not appropriating someone else's culture with that. Um, if there's not like a very clear representation, it's like, well, that's okay because I mean, death is everywhere, right? It is all. Um, but I think people can get really intimidated because death is death but truly I guess like the biggest thing connected to what we're talking about it's like death has been with you all like this whole time so it doesn't have to be like this great stranger that you feel like you can never connect with you know and so I would say yeah just try and have a conversation right? Like maybe invite death for tea or go to a graveyard and take a walk, right? Um, When we start to petition death and want to talk with death and do work with death, we're also looking at our own death fears and what do we believe about death and um, how do we feel about it? And what scares us about death and what are we, what are we curious about or intrigued about? Um, so I think just starting that exploration can actually be so much easier than people think. Because um, I, I truly believe like death is just waiting. It's just waiting for you. I mean, it's just waiting for you to like say like, hey, I think I'm ready to explore this. Yeah. You know, death is like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been here forever. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it's that acknowledgement that that death knows you mm-hmm. can kind of help bridge that gap of of feeling like it's maybe not as immediately accessible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you know, if you go outside and sit outside and. You know, he's like, hey, Death, this is Hannah Haddadi. I, you know, want to get to know you. You know, Death is like, yeah, I know you. Totally. Yeah. 
Oh, that brings like such a sense of comfort and I feel like it is it's really comforting yeah and it's like an extension of nature in and of itself right like I, I, I talk about this a lot when we talk about working with plants um how they're just there waiting for us to to mend our relationship like their nature is always waiting for us to return back to it and nature knows us right and if, if we just take the time to be the second part of that reciprocal relationship back it's really that simple, right? Like we're, we're making it so complex and complicated when it's literally like, just as we are sitting here now at this podcast, sharing warm drinks and talking, that's all it takes to start a relationship, right? Is a, is a conversation. And it seems like it's so hard when it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Cause it feels loaded for some people. Right. I mean, there's a lot of fear there, but you know, I guess my, my question would be, do you want to start your relationship with death now? So when, when it is your physical death, you will, you will have a whole relationship already. Yeah. Which will most likely soothe a lot of your death fears. Yeah. Or do you want to wait? And at your deathbed, that's the first time that you are kicking and screaming. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. It's like, is that the first time? Does do you want that to be the first time that you are saying, oh, hey, death? You know, oh, shoot. I think we have to have a conversation. Yeah. It's a very good question. So I think I would love to hear more. So I know Hannah through working with you as a spiritual coach, which I highly recommend Hannah as a spiritual coach. She's phenomenal. She's obviously brilliant at what she does. We've had a really cool conversation today. Um, so shameless plug there, Thank you. <laughs> but I would love to hear more. Um, and for our listeners too, um, where they can find you, what services you offer. We've touched on a couple of them today, but, um, more about morning light and what it is and, and how people can connect with you if they do feel called to work with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so I do have a, I do have a website, morninglightdivination.com. I am on Instagram, morninglightdivination. And I'd say Instagram is where I'm connecting a lot with people or through email, um, especially just, you know, in the last couple of years with the pandemic, um, doing a lot of virtual work. But um, yeah, I I do the spiritual coaching and then a lot of intuitive sessions. Um, The, the coaching what I've noticed has been a lot of um, supporting people in their witchcraft practice or their spiritual practice and, you know, where they want to go versus where they are. And um, for some people, they're like, they're just having the realization, like, I think I might be a witch. (laughs) It's like, cool, let's, let's start there. Let's talk about that. Right. Um, I do the, the metaphorical funerals, those are only in person though. They can be really dangerous to do uh, over, over basically like if we're not in the same room, the funeral, right? There's so much energy that needs to be kind of worked with and contained. But I do uh, dismemberment journeys for virtual folks. And that's kind of like our funeral version that's safe to do uh, virtually. So um. 
what is the second part of this question that you asked me? <laughs> oh, just how, I think it was just about how people can connect with you and find you. So I think, I think we covered it. Mm-hmm. Was there a second part of the question that I? I don't think so. No, I don't I think there was like, I remember what I you asked can, you. <laughs> and we'll put, we'll put all of this info in the show notes as well. And as always, you know, we ask that if you do engage with our guests, um, that you're mindful of, of their boundaries, both professionally and personally, and, and do so respectfully as well. I know it can feel really, really friendly and, and unprofessional <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> realm, because we're just sitting and chatting, but you know, respect what people's books look like, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, all of, all of this contact info will will be both on Instagram and, and in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, I think I'm just really grateful for your time today and this conversation. I think we've, you've opened up a lot of, of curiosity doors for me. And that's kind of the per which and slip I wanted to leave listeners with today is to, you know, instead of letting your fear prevent you, let your curiosity take your hand and lead the way. So I think just going forth and being a little bit more curious and loving and friendly in your relationship with death and just starting to explore these concepts um, can, can really add a lot to, I think, just existence and presence and your overall enjoyment of life. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I would invite our, our listeners this week to get curious with death. That's your perwitching slip. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for having me and having these beautiful conversations over delicious drinks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, cheers to that. And thank you again, Hannah. Um, and have a lovely week, Coven. And we hope that curiosity guides you in all of the best ways. So cheers. Cheers, witches! (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm-e-algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. <laughs>